Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to discuss the topic of cornstalk grazing. I'm joined today by Dr. Mary Janowski, who's a Nebraska Extension Beef Systems Specialist. Thanks for joining me today. I always enjoy getting to chat with you, Aaron. Well, Dr. Janowski, we're sitting here in mid-December and a lot of cows out on corn stalks. Corn stalks are a great feed resource in Nebraska. We've got both irrigated and dry land. Uh, and just when we look at the yields of corn, corn can provide, or corn stalks, the husk, the leaves, what's left after harvest can really be an excellent feed resource. As we look at the drought this year in particular, we're seeing a lot of demand for corn stalks. I think people seeking ways to stretch the corn stalks they have available just because in many cases, it's going to be the least cost feed resource they have. In light of that, talk through with us some things we need to remember about grazing corn stalks and make sure we don't push that resource too far. Yeah, well, I think the key thing to, to start out is understanding that when we think about corn residue, it is many different feed stuffs in one, right? So you have the stock, which we talk about corn stock grazing, but hopefully we're not actually grazing stocks. And that's about 40% of the residue. And it is essentially like sawdust in terms of energy value. It's only like a 30 TDN. So uh, you got to think about like, you see all that residue out there. And you really want to think about it as that's not actually grazable. So now we got to start thinking about what do we want them to be eating? And that's husk and leaf. And husk is only about 8% of the residue that's out in the field. And it's the best stuff. I mean, beyond the grain, right? The grain is, of course, uh, high energy and actually the highest protein stuff that you have out there as well, which is kind of mind blowing. But we're looking to try to utilize uh, essentially all the husk and some of the leaf. And that's how, if you're not wanting to supplement dry cows, that's the stocking rate that we're going to suggest everything based off of. So that's only removing or grazing about 15% of the residue. And that's the one cow for one month for every hundred bushels of grain harvested. And that's kind of a good rule of thumb as a starting point for when we're talking about grazing corn residue. Let's talk a little bit about just what's the amount of leaf and husk that we expect to be out there based on bushel yield, because those two things are correlated. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we talk about basically there's 16 pounds total of leaf and husk per bushel of corn. Um, so that's one way you can think about it. I actually usually just think about it uh, from the standpoint of like how much total uh, leaf and husk residue is out there on a hundred bushel, as I said. So that's kind of how I think about it, but it's 16 pounds of leaf and husk. And our goal is only to utilize 50% of that. Um, now, the other thing, I think a lot of people who are experienced grazers are probably saying, yeah, but every year is different, <laughs> right? And it is because in years where we have maybe some wetter conditions and it's a little bit warmer, uh, you won't get that much grazing. You won't even get the one cow for one month for every hundred bushels because they'll have really increased trampling losses unless you're doing something to limit access and stripping or something like that, which is not very common. The other key thing uh, that I think that's really important for people to think about is the husk is basically the gold that's out there. It is 
uh, higher energy than anything else. It's like a 60 TDN, which is as good as a really good quality hay. It's low in, t- in protein, but it's very high in energy. And that's why we can get by with no supplementation on a dry cow. So if you really want to gauge, because I told you trampling losses are one, the other big one is le- is uh, wind, right? So it, depending on the direction of the rows, how short the stalks were cut, you can lose a lot of husk to wind. So to me, the best way to gauge are my cows able to get what they need is by assessing how much husk is out in the field. If it's hard for me to find husk when I start walking, then it is no longer a situation where those cows are going to be able to meet their needs without significant supplement. So let's circle back to the conversation around supplement. When is supplement needed? Uh, How much supplement? I think especially in this year where we're looking at scenarios where Maybe we're trying to stretch corn stalks to get as much as we can out of that because the alternative is high-priced hay, or maybe we're we're having trouble getting hay at all. Uh, what, yep. How should we think about that? Well, I think the key thing to understand is that all of the the residue that they're going to have access to is out there at the beginning, and you know, cattle are great at selecting the high quality stuff. So they start out and they're selecting husk and they're filling in some with leaf. And the reason they're filling in some with leaf is really just because they can't physically get around and eat enough husk in terms of how, because it's not a very high amount of the residue. So they're, they're selecting a high proportion of husk early in the grazing season, if you put them out in a field. And then as husk declines, they they supplement with more and more leaf. And then eventually they get to the point where they're actually going to have to start supplementing the leaf and they'll start eating cob, which is, I know, a bit surprising to some people. They'll start eating some upper stem and um, selecting for cob. So the way you really need to think about it is we have early in the season something that's actually meeting their needs And then as you continue to let them select, their energy content of the diet they're selecting is declining. And you're going to need to start supplementing because husk, so husk is 60 TDM, leaf is about 45. So it's not super high quality. And then you start getting into upper stem and cob and it's like 30. So like I said, kind of like sawdust, it's not that great. So it's a good filler, but now you actually are going to need to start supplementing both protein and energy because you need to get enough protein into them to be able to digest that really lower quality stuff. And you also are going to probably have to be supplementing a bit more energy just because she can't physically eat enough to meet her needs if you're getting into that beyond that first one month for one cow for a hundred bushels, if that makes sense. So once we go beyond that, you got to really start thinking about it as she's got some filler out there and I've got to feed her something else to meet her needs. You mentioned that a dry cow based on that one month for hundred bushels for one cow, we really don't need supplement there. We're assuming those cows are in adequate body condition and, you know, in a good shape. If we've got cows that are a bit thin or we've got two-year-olds, young cows, that's a little different scenario. Yeah, you're totally right. So one of the key things to understand in, and in the conditions that we have right now, I think it's really important that a cow who is in good body condition, so a body condition score five, she actually has a lot more insulation. Uh, 
which means that she is able uh, to maintain her body temperature um, at lower temperatures without actually having to use energy. So she's already got some buffer in there. So if she's a body condition score five and she's a mature cow, that's where we don't have to actually provide any supplement with the recommended grazing rates. However, if she's a body condition score four, it's a it's a little bit different ball game because she actually has a lower critical temperature, which is basically the temperature at which she starts um, having to use energy. It's actually much higher. So a five cow is like at 19 and um, a four cow is like 27. So in the winter, most of the time, that four cow is going to have to be using some energy just to stay warm. So to be able even to maintain her at four, it takes more energy even to just maintain that four cow. And if you wanted to actually gain something, it takes even more, if that makes sense. So I like to think about my thin cows and my second calf heifers kind of together. So those cows who have that higher requirement, so either they're thin and now they have a higher requirement for energy or they're young and they're still doing some growing, um, those have higher energy requirements. And so I just would say stick them together. And a second calf heifer in late gestation, she needs both protein and energy, even at the recommended stocking rate. And I get this question a lot about, well, can I just provide her some alfalfa? And the problem is that you don't have enough metabolizable protein for that first or that second calf heifer. Uh, You also don't have it for first calf heifers, Uh, but to just feed her some alfalfa, you're going to need more energy in the diet to make use of all of the protein that's in the alfalfa. So typically, like if you really want to make alfalfa work for that cow, you're looking at like a four pound of alfalfa and a pound and a half of corn or a three pounds of distillers. Um, so it kind of depends on what you have access to, but just to meet her needs, that's not her gaining anything in that situation. And that is with the recommended stocking rate. So if you start getting down into that more filler situation, you're going to have to up how much you're supplementing that those first calf heifers, as well as those thin cows. One of the things that also gets my attention as we think about this time of year between now and calving, depending on when you're calving, that cow's nutrient requirements are really going to start ramping up because of the calf growing within her, especially as, as we get into those last 60 days prior to calving. So we see this tension, I would say, from my perspective, because we often see stock quality declining, but we also see simultaneously that cow's nutrient requirements greatly increasing. So early on in the grazing of corn stocks, we're more than meeting that cow's requirements sometimes, but then at some point, her nutrient requirements are increasing and quality of stocks are decreasing. And we can start to see that gap widen pretty quickly. Yeah, I think that's exactly where this, um, the situation where I was talking about with second calf heifers, I was talking about late gestation, which is that uh, time period where she has kind of her highest requirements because not only is she growing, but that calf is growing quite rapidly. And you are right that one of the key things here is that if, you are go beyond the recommended grazing rate, um, then you also have their diet declining in terms of what they can select. So there are some people um, who purposely will stock such that they will move into newer fields later in the grazing season with the idea that now they have access to 
um, those higher quality feedstuffs again, that husk and some more leaf. And that works great as long as you get access to use it, right? So some years I know in January, for instance, we start getting freezing rain and then they can't actually graze it. They can graze through quite a bit of snow out on stocks, but they can't graze through freezing rain. So it's always a little bit of a gamble, but it's kind of a really nice situation as long as the weather plays ball with you. (laughs) Yeah, and I think the thing you just mentioned, we've had some moisture across Nebraska, which has been welcome. But uh, with that, then also comes the greater deterioration of forage quality. So it's a little bit of a double-edged sword. We we really would like the moisture because of drought conditions. But on the other hand, moisture on corn stalks is going to be detrimental to quality. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think one of the key things there is that the Moisture at this point in time, uh, in terms of like how much degradation you're going to have on the on the corn residues, not really high, except for the fact that if your ground doesn't remain frozen, you'll have way higher loss of residue. The other thing that I, I see is like that balance of can the cows get enough if you have that snow cover or do I need to supplement? There's always that question in your mind. And we don't have any really great firm data on it, but one of the things that I go out and do is I will just walk through the field and kick up stuff. And if it can easily move the residue around, uh, I feel a lot better about those cows being able to find and select what they need. Um, if it is a little bit stuck, then it's time for me to think about giving them some hay and access to something else to be able uh, to fill in on what they can't actually access from grazing. Any other thoughts on this topic, Dr. Janowski, as we point towards wrapping up, obviously corn stalks are an important resource and uh, this year probably as valuable as any as we look at the alternative in terms of cost. Yeah, I think one of the other things, so we talked about uh, first calf, second calf heifers have a lot higher energy and protein requirement. Um, And I do see sometimes people trying to limp, you know, replacement heifers through on stocks without, with just providing maybe some, a bit of alfalfa. And again, I just really want to emphasize that those uh, heifers have a higher protein requirement that just providing roomily available protein will not meet their needs without significant amount of energy supplementation as well. And that's one of the magic things about distillers. And I know, especially uh, the further west you go, uh, the more you're like, yeah, but I just can't get it. But sometimes it is, it's worth the extra cost because it's a small package that provides uh, the protein source that you need. Otherwise, you really do have to think about providing another supplement like um, some corn on top of that alfalfa. And so I think that's really important because I see sometimes some heifers that are underdeveloped um, and maybe don't breed up as well as people would like. And that's really why we have that challenge. Dr. Janowski, any resources you would point folks to as they maybe want to learn more, or find out more about the ins and outs of corn stock grazing? Yeah. So Carla Jenkins. And Casey McCarthy and I, we wrote an article uh, that was about how much supplementation do you need when grazing corn residue. And it was back in 2020, uh, December of 2020, but it's on the beef.unl.edu website. And it really goes through some of the things that we talked about. It also outlines um, what to look for in a mineral, especially for those dry cows. 
because you probably only need like a 4% phosphorus mineral. And that's one way to cheapen things up a bit because phosphorus is quite expensive. And so a lot of people think they need way more phosphorus than they do. Um, so maybe take a look at that and see if that uh, is useful to you. Thanks again for joining me today. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, as Dr. Janowski mentioned, there are a number of resources on cornstalk grazing. Those are found at the beef.unl.edu website. Also, if you have additional questions on the topic, uh, Dr. Janowski's contact information can be found there as well.